right, good morning, East. Let's stand together. Let's enter into some worship. Lord, we love you. We give you our best this morning. Come on, let's sing to him. We have this confidence in Jesus. His blood has brought us into freedom. There is no other that can save us. Because we know, yes, we know. Come on, let's sing this out. He's always faithful. Oh, he is always with us, faithful and true. In our weakness, he is bringing us through. A highway through the valley, a promise through the pain. He is always with us, faithful and true. Oh, he's faithful and true. Oh, for every lie that speaks against us. speaks against us. His blood declares we are forgiven. There's only one who never fails us, because we know, yes we know, it's Jesus. Yes we know, yes we know. Come against the love of Jesus. 
This morning I was, uh, you know, I was waking up and I was praying. I was praying specifically for us in this room today. And I wrote it in my journal. I said, Lord, just fill us up with worship. Fill us up with joy. Help us to be spirit-filled this morning. To be focused on you, Lord. And that really is my prayer today. That, that we would have an integrity in our heart where we would be so focused on God that he would be the only thing dominating our minds this morning. There's a million things going on in our lives, but there's really only one that makes everything go around. It's Jesus. And it's important to remind our souls, remind our souls of his faithfulness. So I was saying faithful and true. We want to remind ourselves who we are in him. And it's good to recall why we believe what we believe. So I want us to declare this together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
we sing this song, we're singing that Jesus is he's the worthy one. It's a fun song to sing because it's so pretty when we, when we sing this melody. But we're saying that God is worthy. There's a verse in Ephesians that says that he is, that God is, he's able to do immeasurably more. And some of us have faith in the room today that's, I mean, you're, you're not even, it's hard to even think of what today is going to hold. I know that there's provision that is needed in the house today. I know that there's healing that is needed in the house today. And so when we sing that God is the worthy one, we're saying that, God, I'm trusting that you're the one who's able to do those things. He is able to keep you from falling. He is the one who provides for you. And so we have a couple, a couple things that are going on today at, at New Life East. But when we, when, we, when we sing this, it's about what's going on in, inside of us but it's happening within the context of a church, and that's beautiful that we can let our faith be challenged with one another. And New Life East has made Grand Peak Academy home for the past four years, and it's been a time that has been so special. I reflect over the last four years of praying with Tyler and Laura in this back corner for them to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the first time. I remember praying with many of you here at the altar for jobs, for provision, and God is able. He has done those things. So this morning is a time of celebration for us to remember what he has done. If you uh, remember in the Old Testament as the Israelites, they uh, would set up a tabernacles throughout the wilderness, and those would become places that, that God's presence would dwell. And now in the New Testament, in the new covenant that we're living in, now the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Scripture says that we are the temple but place still matters to God. We see that through all scriptures. Jesus came to this place. He, he took on flesh and dwelled among us. And so although New Life East has had a temporary home of Grand Peak Academy, his, God's presence has come with us and it has been a place of anointing here in this building. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna um, pray a prayer of blessing over Grand Peak Academy, the staff, and if some of you even on the wings want to just lay your hand on the brick and mortar portion of this wall uh, during our prayer time here, as soon as I pray, do that. You can move around this room and pray a prayer of blessing over this place. But I think the prayer is two things. I think it's acknowledging that God is worthy, that his presence will dwell with us wherever it is that we go, and he's at work within you, and that also that his presence would stay here at Grand Peak Academy. So, Father God, I thank you for your constant holiness, your, your constant presence. You've been a pillar of fire that's gone before us. And you've also been a, a shield about us, Lord. I thank you so much for the work that you have done in this very room over the past, for me, four years. And it's been a marvel to see my children grow in their relationship with you in this room. It's been a privilege to see my friend's faith strengthened. God, I pray for um, the staff of Grand Peak Academy, Jesus. This, um, this building gets used for ministry all, all week long. Even if, even if staff doesn't realize it's ministry, they're caring for the needs of, of children and the children are important to you. So they're doing ministry. God, I pray that you would provide for their needs, their financial needs. You provide for their 
um, their mental needs, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that your spirit would remain in this room, Lord. That parents who come to Grand Peak Academy would say that there's still someplace different about that place because it was New Life East who set up residence there and your spirit did not depart from it, Jesus. Do that. God, you are worthy. You're the worthy one. You're able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And so we pray your blessing on this place. Would you pray for us? We also pray for us as we, as we move forward to RMCA, Rocky Mountain Classical Academy. And next week when we all gather, we'll be in a new place, but we're gonna have the same stories. We're gonna have the same faces. Oh, we're so thankful for that. Thank you for this family. It's in your name I pray, amen. When we remember God's goodness, we need to let that settle into our hearts. Seth is gonna lead us in this hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Would you remember not just his faithfulness for the past four years, maybe for you it's faithfulness for this week, but Psalm says that he has, he's, his faithfulness lasts through all generations. That is timeless. Seth, lead us. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
God. Can you give God praise for his faithfulness? Oh, that's beautiful. You guys make a wonderful choir. If we've not met, my name is Colin. I'm one of the pastors here. If it's your first time with us, we're so glad that you're here. There's a guest card on your seat. Feel free to fill that out, bring it to Connect Central. We have a gift for you. We would love to meet you. Wow, guys, this is our last Sunday at Grand Peak Academy. If you've not figured that out, next Sunday we're going to be meeting at Rocky Mountain Classical Academy on Barnes and Mark Scheffel at this very same time, 10 o'clock next Sunday. And the Saturday before, which is just six days away, we will have a prayer and consecration service at RMCA as well. And that's also at 10 a.m. That's a time to pray over the space, worship just like we're doing this morning, kind of get acclimated so that you know what to expect when you come on Sunday. So please and come join us on Saturday. We only have a couple more weekends to sign up for our Uganda trip that Pastor Andrew is leading. You can sign up um, at Connect Central, or the best way is just to take a picture of this QR code and navigate to the application. Also, we have a discipleship experience called Rooted at New Life East. It's the very best way to get connected to the, to the life and ministry of New Life East. And we've had an a waiting list in order to get signed up into it. It is such an incredible program. But we have signups that are open today. And after the signup list, we have 20 open spots. So that might feel like a mad dash to Connect Central, but my wife, Jenna, and a couple others will be there with iPads helping you get registered. An 11-week experience that starts on February 18th. So we want you to be a part of that. It's on Sunday nights. We want you to be a part of that. Oh, goodness, I think that's everything. Before we open the word and hear from Pastor Andrew, why don't you turn to one another, give a hug, give a high five, say hello to somebody.
Good morning. Hello. Am I on? Yo. The Lord be with you. So good to see you this morning, New Life East. Uh, I saw a lot of new faces as I was standing at the door welcoming people this morning. And so if this is your first time with us, uh, we're delighted to have you in the house this morning. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, thanks for worshiping with us. It is uh, quite a Sunday morning, actually, to be here. Um, almost four years ago, this Sunday morning, we had our initial launch service for New Life East. Out of curiosity, uh, how many of you were at that first service just by a show of hands? Yeah, about half of you, which is just amazing. And do you remember that? Yeah, we're pretty feedbacky up here, guys. Can you help me out? Thank you. All right, excellent. Such a wild Sunday morning. I'll never forget that. You know, we had had uh, a couple weeks of like pre-launch meetings with our launch team and some preview services. And we didn't really know, you know, how many people are going to show up and what that's going to, what's it going to be like. And 752 people showed up on that first Sunday morning. It was absolutely bananas. And uh, I know a lot of us were really excited about that. And I do know that there are a lot of church leaders who would be really excited about that. And in theory, I was very excited about that. You know, it was nice to be able to report back, you know, like, hey, we had a lot of people show up. I was actually, I remember this Sunday, I was viscerally terrified <laughs> looking out on this mob of people. And really, you know, after the adrenaline of that first Sunday wore off, the terror really set in after that Sunday because I went, this is a whole anonymous mob for the most part of people. And I don't know how to lead an anonymous mob. I don't know how to be a pastor to that. And what has been so amazing over the last four years is that the Lord really has made a family out of us. And I look back over all that God has done. I think about all of the baptisms that have happened in this room. We probably baptized 50 or so people. I think about all the little child dedications that we've done up here. And now our kids are growing up here in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I think of all the relationships that have been developed. I think of all the moments of breakthrough that we've seen in this room, all the people that we have seen come to Jesus. I think about the really profound experiences in the presence of God that we've had, powerful experiences, but then also some moments of tenderness that were so fragile that it just felt like if you bumped them, it would all fall apart. Like we have been in God's presence and we have a story now as a congregation. We, we are a family and it, it, it just takes my breath away. Like I couldn't be... I don't know why I'm saying this just to say, I guess, just in transparency. I, like, I couldn't be more honored to be your pastor. I couldn't be more honored to be part of this story. And I couldn't be more excited about the days that the Lord has ahead for us. And so I wanted to say something to you about that as we make our transition over into Rocky Mountain Classical Academy. The reason that we're doing that is because the Lord opened a door for ministry up to us. And we think that there are lots more people who are going to be folded into the life of the Spirit because of this move. That's what the move is all about. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our convenience. It's actually much more inconvenient for me. I live right now three minutes from Grand Peak Academy, and that's going to be more like a 15 to 20-minute drive for me, and so I'm losing a little time on my Sunday. It's not a decision of convenience. It's a decision of ministry and opening more of the riches of this community up to more people that really need it. And so we're going to go over there, and there's going to be amazing things, and the Lord is going to do amazing things, and there's new chapters that are going to be written to the story a lot of you, as you experience that space for the first time, are going to be thrilled. It really is. In so many ways, it's an upgrade of space, which is great. But I also want to say to you that there are some of you that you're going to transition over to that space with us, and you're going to feel some frustration in your heart because it's not what this space is. It's a change to your routine in some way. You're going to have new people showing up on Sunday morning that are going to disturb your routine. And so you're going to feel some frustration, and you're going to feel a little hesitation about it. And I just want to say to you that more, this morning that if that's you and that's your experience, 
you need to hear me say to you that that's okay. All change is disruptive. And that disruption, when we experience it as disruption, it doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. It just means that we're human beings. And so what I'm going to ask of you is that you'll continue to be the very people you have been in the four years that we have been here, that you're going to be the family of God. And that means that you're going to handle your frustration in the right way. You're going to take it and offer it up to God and let him cleanse and purify that to the extent that he can. And also, if and when you talk about it to other people, you're going to do it in the right way to the right person at the right time. Can I get an amen from somebody? You know what we're going to do? We're going to be Christians over at Rocky Mountain Classical Academy. Am I right? Come on now, church. All right. So, uh, but we are, man. <laughs> we are giving thanks to God for four good years here at Grand Peak Academy. He's made a family out of us. It's been amazing. And looking forward to the next chapter. Open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 3. We are in a series across all of our congregations uh, at New Life Church uh, on the book of John. And the title of the series, though we haven't mentioned it yet, is Behold. Behold. And the, the place that we get that from in the book of John is John chapter 1, where John the Baptist, the first time he sees Jesus approach, to him, approach him, uh, John says, Behold. Everybody say, Behold. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what we'll see with Jesus as these chapters in John unfold is that Jesus takes away the sin of the world uh, not just by forgiving us of our sin, though he definitely does that and that's important, but he also draws the toxin of sin out of us so that we're transformed human beings. And the way that we see this in John is via all of these encounters that people have with Jesus throughout the book of John. And so as they behold Jesus in their own way, their lives are transformed. But also as we behold their beholding of Jesus, our own lives are transformed. And one of the most famous of those encounters comes here in John chapter 3. Hear the word of the Lord. And now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus that night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again for the wind blows wherever it pleases. And you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Brothers and sisters, uh, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. And so let's pray. We bow our hearts to you, Lord Jesus. We yield. We ask that just as in this gospel, there are all of these moments where people saw Jesus and their lives were changed. We ask that we would see Jesus and our lives would be changed. And we confess this morning that we do need to be changed. That transformation that happens is not just something for the first moment of faith, but the transformation that you long for in us is a transformation that would continue. Glory to glory is how Paul puts it. We all with unveiled faces, Paul says, reflect the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so we pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would insinuate yourself into our hearts today. 
in a new way, that you would topple the idols inside of us, that you would warm our hearts up where our hearts have gone cold, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would solidify in us the fact that we are beloved sons and daughters of the living God by faith in Jesus Christ. Change our lives, we ask this morning. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Wake us up where we need to be woken up. Bring us into your kingdom again, we pray. We ask that the words of the preacher's mouth and the meditation of the hearer's hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Three times in this passage, Jesus in his conversation uh, with Nicodemus says to him, that you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. And we who are heirs of the evangelical movement, many of us in this room, that's kind of the place that we were born and raised, our tradition of faith. We know this term. It's an obvious term. We're born again Christians, is what we say. And uh, it's funny because I also am born and raised kind of in this movement. And so this moniker has kind of floated around with me, and I'm just going to confess I've got kind of a complicated relation to it for reasons that I'll explain in just a second. But I remember uh, being in college, so this is like, uh, actually it's almost a quarter of a century ago now. Where did that? That's a long time is what that is, Brad Bundy. It's okay. I'm loving life, Colin Stoddard. It's just that a lot of time has passed. And Anyway, but I remember being in college, and I was working at this restaurant, and I went to a Christian college. I'm working at this restaurant And uh, I don't know if this was the right thing to do or not, but I was trying to play it cool with my Christian identity. You know, like I did, I just didn't want to be like judged very quickly. And so I sort of like would mute myself here and there and kind of tamp things down just a little bit because I wanted to blend in and I wanted to be part of the crowd. I wasn't trying to do anything evil or wicked. I just didn't want to be judged before I got accepted by these people. And I remember one shift that I was working, uh, some conversation was happening and I said something in the conversation that betrayed my Christian identity, you know? And one of the bartenders, this guy named Tony, he looks at me and he goes, are you one of those born-agains? And he did not mean it as a compliment. Because there is this whole constellation of associations that comes with born-agains. And in fact, when you start looking at some of the polling data, the research data on how born-again Christians, evangelical Christians are perceived in the United States, by and large, it's not very good. Did you know that? (laughs) By and large, we're looked at as judgmental. By and large, we're looked at as bigoted or on the wrong side of history on so many things. By and large, we're looked at as being allied with the wrong political causes. By and large, we're not looked at. It has become this sort of sociological distinction that sets us apart in all the wrong ways. And the pity of that is that when you think about what this is in the scriptures, and Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, uh, to be born again... Is really a very profound thing. So I just want to ask, like, the simplest way that I can approach this this morning is to just ask this question. What does the New Testament mean when it talks about being born again? Like, this is a biblical term. We're going to have to take it back if it's going to be any use to us. What does the New Testament mean when it talks about being born again or born from above? That is kind of how Jesus is talking about it here in John chapter 3. So I want to put three things in front of you this morning. Number one, what does it mean to be born again Uh, Number one, it means that we have a new identity, a new identity. The whole way that we understand ourselves, the whole way that we think about ourselves is different on the other side of a threshold experience with Jesus than it was on this side of it to stay kind of in John's thought world. Think about what John says here, one of my favorite scriptures. I remember learning this one when I was a little kid. 1 John 3, 1, 
Uh, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Do you remember the kids' song they used to sing about this? Behold the manner of love the Father has been unto us. How did you know that? We grew up in the same church, didn't we? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. And then it goes on. That, come on, we should be called the sons of God. And the daughters too. That we should be called the sons of God. That's it. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. Because we're God's kids. And that's what we are, as John says. And the reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. To come into an experience of God in Jesus Christ is to be born again. It's to be made a child of God. Behold the great love that the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And all of us are born into this world having been given certain identities that from the very first define who we are. I am an aren't. Okay? Born into this world as an aren't. And I love being an aren't. And I think that being an aunt is the coolest thing. Like, I just think that we're the best family. That's it. And I'll fight you on that. And I wouldn't have wanted to be born in any other family. I got a bunch of aunts in the house here. And I mean it when I say it. I love being, I love being an aunt. But when you come into the family of God, what happens is that your whole relationship to that identity that you were given at your birth, it changes. So even though I am an aunt, Andrew aren't, in a more fundamental way, I'm Andrew, a child of the living God who also happens to be an aunt. And you know what that does? That allows me to hold my identity as an aunt in a different kind of way. I'm no longer captive to that. That's not the total understanding of who I am. But I have some creative distance from that so that I can be an aunt in a way that's actually productive and healthy. Because the truth about the aunt family is that even though it's the best family in the world, there are lots of things about it that are imperfect. There are some things about it that are quirky. And there are other things about it that are just downright sinful. And that's not just my family, that's your family. And I'm saying that with my parents sitting over here, by the way. And they say the same thing. All families are like that. All families are mired in sin. And the only way that we escape the gravitational pull of those families and become redemptive forces in those families is if we claim a more fundamental identity. We're sons and daughters of the living God first. Which allows me to be in the Arndt family in a way that both blesses the things that are good about the Arndt family but also challenges the things that need to rise up to righteousness. That's the same for you. You have to find a way to relativize those identities that you were born into, or else you're captive to them. You're a slave to them. I think also about one of the things that evangelical Christians in this country are known for is that sometimes we are so pro-America that we forget to be Christians. Okay? And we've so conflated those things that we actually think being Christian and being American are like the same thing, and they're not. And in the same way that I love the Arndt family, and I think that the Arndt family is the best family in the world, I love America. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I love America. I think it's the best country in the world. I, I think it's amazing. I, I, I am so glad that I was born here and that I was not born somewhere else. America's awesome. Go America. Okay? But America first, that's an idolatrous concept. <laughs> it just is. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be for your country in the same way that you shouldn't be for your family. It just means that the Pledge of Allegiance is not the first thing about you. The Nicene Creed is. <laughs> Jesus is Lord is. We have an identity that is bigger and better than being an American, which allows us actually to bless the things about America that are right and also to challenge the things about America that are wrong. We can call it up into righteousness precisely because we have an identity that's situated somewhere 
else. Can I needle you just a little bit more? This is true also of our uh, affiliation with political parties. It's like the last Sunday at Grand Peak Academy. He's just out here just punching away. But it's true. You know, some of us are more Republican than we are Christian. Some of us are more Democrat than we are Christian. Some of our more fill in the blank of your political party, the Communist Party, I don't know what it is. Bless you. <laughs> help, him, help him, Jesus. Or the Green Party or whatever it is, I don't know. But some of us are more that than we are Christian. You know the litmus test of this, by the way? I'm going to give you like a really easy one. If you have all of the same enemies as Donald Trump, you are not Christian enough. Wow. If you have all the same enemies as Joe Biden, you have not become Christian enough. Wow. You can be a Republican. Go. God bless you. And you can be a Democrat. Go. God bless you. But you have to find a way to be in those spaces in a way that's different. And the only way that you're going to do that is by claiming the fact that in your baptism, you died to every given identity and you were resurrected to new life in Christ and put back in those lives, not so that you could be a captive of the old life, but so that you can be a challenge to the old life. Are you tracking with me this morning? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Sing it again. That we should be called the sons of God. That we, yes, should be called. And when you linger with that, you begin to realize that that concept is more powerful than you ever realized. (laughs) That if that identity goes all the way down into your depths, it changes the whole way that you approach your life. And it makes us a really unique and peculiar kind of people. We're given a new identity in the new birth. Number two, let's say to you this morning that we are given a new way of being. This is the domain of ethics. So if we're given a new identity, we're also given a new way of being, the domain of ethics. John goes on in 1 John chapter 3 to say this. He says, dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be, will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, what does the text say? Say it loud, church. We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is, verse 3. And all who have this hope in him, what do they do? They purify themselves. How? Just as he is pure. So who's our bar? Who's Who's our standard for how we should behave in the world? Jesus. Because what is the Spirit doing in us? Making us like Jesus. And who is Jesus like? He's just like the Father in heaven. Jesus, the living image of the Father by his Spirit, is turning us into his own living image so that we also are living images of our Father in heaven. To use a family analogy again, my dad who's in the room here, uh, we were at a a performance, Bella had a performance at her school a couple weeks ago, and my dad and I were standing next to each other uh, in the lobby out there, and Roy and Betty Garcia, Roy and Betty, are you here at all this morning? Roy and Betty, their granddaughter, Uh, also goes uh, to Liberty High School over there, and Roy and Betty were there that night. And Betty saw my dad and I standing next to each other, and we both had the baseball caps on and jeans and whatever. And she looks at us and she goes, you guys look the same. And I said, you're right about that. Younger and better looking, but... (laughs) And you guys have seen my parents have been here over the years, and I always have people say to me, they'll go, you know... 
the one thing I noticed about you, Andrew, when I first met you is this weird way that you walk. And then your dad showed up and I went, that's where it came from, that aren't walk. You know, it's like the strangest, that's the miracle of DNA, right? Is that we, that, and actually one of the, I'm 42 going on 43, one of the surprising things about growing up has been how much more like my parents I have become the older I've gotten. I remember when our boys were real young and they were doing something that was obnoxious and needed to be corrected. And uh, all of a sudden this voice came booming, correcting them. And I turned over my shoulder to think, because I thought maybe my dad was in the house, but it wasn't my dad, it was me, it was my voice. But that's what, so that's what the life of the spirit actually is like. Is that as the identity of God takes hold in us, we grow up more and more to be just like who? Yeah, our father in heaven, who happens to look like Jesus Christ, right? We grow up to become like Jesus. This is, dom- this is the domain of ethics. It's how we are in the world, what we do in the world. And you say, well, Andrew, I don't really know. Like, what should I do and what shouldn't I do? Can I just tell you, here, here's how Christians measure what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing. You know what it is? It's the New Testament. This is why we read our Bibles. <laughs> that we get in there and we start realizing that there are certain things that it forbids and there are certain things that it commends. There are certain things that the New Testament forbids of our money. We as followers of the living God, as sons and daughters of the living God, followers of Jesus, we are not allowed to pile up huge stockpiles of money that we don't share with other people. Do you know why? Because our God isn't like that. All right, our God is the one who, though he was rich, yet he became for our sakes, became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. So as we grow up more and more like him, that changes our relationship to our money, our sexuality. (laughs) We don't just get to do willy-nilly whatever we want with our bodies. But because our God is a covenant-making God, that shapes the way that we think about our sexuality. That our sexuality lives inside the bonds of the covenant or it doesn't live anywhere else at all. It's destructive outside of that. How would we know that? We read the scriptures and we see that there are certain things that are Forbidden, you can go on and on. The, the scripture, the way that it calls us to think about our enemies. For most of us, the way that we're trained to think about our enemies is that those people are out there trying to get us and so therefore we got to annihilate them. What does the New Testament call us to do with our enemies? To pray for them and to bless them and to serve them and to love them and to just perhaps discover that in that, that our enemies turn into our friends because of the way that we went out of our way for them. Guys, it, it changes everything. And it's not just about the things that the New Testament forbids, but it's also, more positively, the things that the New Testament commends of us. There is this whole life that's given to us in the pages of the New Testament that when you start reading it and falling in love with it, it shapes an existence that's different in the world. The psalmist said, oh, how I love Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night, the psalmist said. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Your word, he said, it's sweet to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I hate every wrong path because I love your commands. He said that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn and I am determined that I will keep your righteous judgments. That's what our call is. That what we do is we take the pages of the New Testament and we read them. We scour them over and over again. We don't just read them once, by the way. And go, oh, yeah, I got that. Jesus, cool, it's great. <laughs> but what we do is we bury our face day after day in the pages of the text. And we see the beautiful face 
of our living Lord Jesus there, and we go, Spirit, make me like that. Make me good as he is good. Make me just as he is just. Make me kind as he is kind. Make me self-giving as he is self-giving. Make me committed as he is committed. Fill me with your spirit like he was filled with the spirit. Fill me with power the way that he was filled with power. Make me like Jesus. And if we're not praying those prayers, I really don't know what prayers we're praying. (laughs) That's the whole thing. What is the new birth? It's new identity. It's a new way of being in the world. But then three, it's also this. It's a new motive power for our lives. What drives our lives along? Look at this back in the text, John chapter 3. In the conversation, Jesus answers Nicodemus and says, "Very Very truly I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. A flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Verse 7, you shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. And here it is. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases, Jesus says. You can't, you hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's, or where it's going. And then he says, so it is with everyone who is, repeat it, church, born of who? The Spirit, that what happens in the new birth is that somehow the Spirit of the living God reaches down to the innermost of who we are and creates a new kind of motive power for our lives. That what drives our lives along after the new birth is no longer all of the things that used to drive our lives along. That we're not driven along by money. We're not driven along by ambition. We're not driven along by ego. We're not driven along by vanity. We are not driven along by our thirst for power. We are not driven along by our hatred of all of those people out there. We are not driven along by our quest that America be the greatest nation or that the Republican Party triumph over the Democrats. We're not driven by any of that stuff anymore. All of that in our baptism has died. Hallelujah. Amen. What are we driven along by now? We're driven along by something like the following, Galatians chapter 5. But, Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Then joy. Then peace. Then forbearance. Then kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, Paul writes going to stop you from being that way. What are we called to be in the world? We're called to be this kind of a people who are driven along by these kinds of things. And you know what the beauty of this is? The beauty of this is that it gives you a litmus test for discerning what is right in your heart (laughs) and what is wrong in your heart. And if you, in the middle of whatever interaction you're in the middle of, sense things coming up in you that feel passionate and all of that, all you got to do is measure them against this list. Wait, is what I'm feeling, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? It didn't take any of those boxes. Therefore, it's not the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it must be something else. I don't know what. God deliver me from it. (laughs) It's the flesh, the ego, the devil, the world somehow has gotten inside of us. So we measure everything up against it. If it doesn't rise to the level of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then it doesn't belong in our hearts. 
And that doesn't mean that we're wicked and it doesn't mean that we're evil. It just means that there's stuff that has to get flushed out of us. And I think when I think about this, I think of all those people, you know, I'll have people say to me every so often, they'll go, Pastor, but you know, Jesus in the New Testament, he got plenty angry. And I see him flipping tables and and doing all that stuff. And you know what my response to that is? My response to that is the moment that you become as wise and godly and self-controlled as the Son of God himself, be my guest. Until then, do not give way to anger. And right now, one of the things that Christians are known for in the United States is that we're an angry people. We got our fists up in the air. We are ready to fight. We are full of anger and we are full of fear. And neither of those things has any place in the heart of a child of God. You know what John says in 1 John chapter 3? Perfect love does what to fear? Cast it out. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not yet been made perfect in love. What's going on in your heart? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Or is it fear? Is it greed? Is it ambition? Is it lust? What is it? We are sons and daughters of the living God. We are people who have been given the new birth in the Holy Spirit. Time to act like it. Can we stand to our feet this morning? So now we hold up our hearts before you, Jesus. We say, search us. Would you do that, church? Just hold your heart. Or if you don't want to, be my guest. Hold your heart away and see where that leads you. But hold your heart before the Lord. Jesus, search us. Search us. We don't want anything in us that destroys us. We don't want anything in us that insults the name of our God. We don't want anything in us that pollutes the good world that you have made. We say, sanctify us through and through. Whatever is in us that is not right, we say, take it out of us. Whatever is in us that is not of you, we say, may it die in Jesus' name. Whatever is in us that does not rise to the level of our identity as sons and daughters of the living God, we pray that you would crush it in Jesus' name. And that you would perfect us again this morning in faith, hope, and love. That you would complete the character of Jesus Christ in us. That you would help us rise up into all that we are as the children of God. And we make this as we approach the table. We remember Paul's words. That each of us is to examine themselves before they come to the table. That we're to come not in a posture of self-righteousness, but we're to come in a posture of self-emptiedness, repentance. So we make this our prayer before you, Lord Jesus, as we come to the table. Say with me, church. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And we have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will. Do that in us and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And now I say over you, New Life East this morning, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I say to you this morning that if any person is in Christ, that person is a new creation. All things have passed away, those old things, and everything has become new. 
And if you can receive that this morning, would you give God praise? The peace of the Lord is ours. We've been given peace in Jesus. And so we remember that on the night that he was betrayed, after he had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this all of you and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, drink from this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. Do it whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Lord Jesus here, take the bread, take the cup. Great high priest, we say, lift it up to your father. Bless it, break it and give it to us so that this might be a doorway into heaven again for us. Grant and we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. We invite our servers to come forward and serve communion this morning. Communion as always will be on my right and my left up front. Those of you that are new, communion we say is for all of those who have confessed that Jesus is Lord. If that's you, you're welcome to come to the table. You'll come up the center aisle here. Server will put a cracker in your hand. You'll dip it in the cup and take it as you head back to your seat. Brothers and sisters, these are the gifts of God and they are given for the people of God. Come forward and receive communion.
Yeah. 
Give God praise this morning, church. I know we're a little over time, but we have one thing that we have to do. 
before we end this morning. One of the great uh, joys of pastoral ministry for me over the years has been uh, the people I've gotten a chance to share it with. And Shailene Smith has been one of those people. Shailene, would you welcome Shailene as she comes to the stage? Grab that microphone. Zach, you come too. Yeah, grab the microphone. Shailene, who has been on staff at New Life Church for seven years, um, was the first employee of New Life East. I remember the day she swung by my office as we were forming the team. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about being the New Life East Kids Director and all that. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, get her some Kleenexes. She's going to need them. And Shailene, in the last four years, has been such a joy to work with. She is selfless. She is hardworking. She's intelligent. She's humble. She's, she's everything that you would ever want in a teammate. She's everything that you'd ever want in a follower of Jesus, an exemplary, like a model for what a disciple looks like. And it's been such a joy walking with her over the last few years. It's been a joy uh, to be part of her ordination to pastoral ministry in the last couple years. And I had every anticipation that we'd be doing this for a long time together, but the Lord changes our plans. And so Shailene, I don't know how much you wanna share about the shift that the Lord has laid on your heart because it's so consistent with your vocation, your calling. Do you wanna share with the congregation kind of what you're up to, what you're sensing on the inside? Yeah, um, first of all, I just wanna say thank you guys. When I thought about this, um, when the Lord first called me to East, he said, go take care of the people on the East side is the word he gave me. And what I found actually here is that you guys took care of me and you guys took care of each other. And I saw that every single Sunday and during the week and you invited me into your homes, you invited my husband into your homes and I'm just grateful. And it's been the greatest honor of my life to serve your children. And those of you who trusted me with them, I'm so grateful. And I have a heart for kids, but every single Sunday I'm in that room, in that hallway, I think about all the kids who don't have the privilege of coming to church because their parents don't bring them or they are in a really tough situation. And I know that was my story. I was kind of stuck in my home a lot and my room became my safe space. And I learned a lot about who I was and who I wanted to be through stories in movies and books and TV shows because that was the only outlet I really had besides school. And that's honestly where I feel like the Lord's been calling me to continue my gifts and in learning how to tell good stories for kids who are stuck at home, who don't get to come here or any other church. And so for the past like three years, honestly, it's been that, but really a year and a half, the Lord's been stirring this fire in me to have ministry and pastoral ministry in a different kind of context. So this is my stepping out in faith to trust that the Lord will take me down that path and chase that dream. We said in our staff meeting, we prayed over Shailene and I said, Shailene Smith is being raised up right now as an apostle to all of the Shailene Smiths of the world. And our life as a congregation has been strengthened because there were people like Shailene who stepped into her world when she was little and now she's here. Now she's giving that gift back. It's a profound thing. So even though I was heartsick about it and disappointed, I went, oh, shucks. The Lord is doing his thing again. So Pastor Colin and Jenna, would you come up? Mandy, would you come up? We're going to, no, you're going to hang on to it because you've got more work to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, we're not done with you yet. So lay your hands, church family, stretch your hands out towards the Smiths. By the way, they're not leaving. They're going to be around here still. So you'll get to see them and affirm them and talk with them. And so, well, what can we do, Lord, but say yes? What can we do but say yes? Thank you for the yes that you have raised up in Shailene and in Zach individually and together as a couple 
your yes and your amen is all over them. Thank you for Shailene Smith. Thank you for all that she has invested in this congregation over the years. We pray that all of the gifts that she has given, that she would reap them back in her life a hundredfold. All that she has sacrificed, all that she has sown, every tear that she's cried, every prayer that she's prayed over this family. We pray that it would bounce back to her, a harvest of righteousness. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray that the path ahead would be a fruitful path, that you would make it a highway for them, a highway of holiness. We pray that you would surround them with all the people they need to be surrounded by and strengthen them in this new task and in this new calling. We pray that you would uh, deepen their union with one another. Zach and Shailene, set their feet on a firm foundation. Oh God, open up new vistas of tenderness and affection and trust and unity in one another. And we pray that the days of ministry in front of Zach and Shailene Smith would be so much greater than the days that have gone behind them. So grant that all we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Shailene. And now I've asked Shailene as her last pastoral act as a member of our team to pray over our congregation and lead us in the benediction. Shailene, you up for it or... I'm totally up okay, for it. Okay, if you need to call an audible, I'm right here Thank for you. Thank you. I'm just yeah. going to quickly, I know, sorry, guys, I'm, this will be fast. But um, as I was praying for what I was going to pray about, um, I got this picture of, you know, so many of you have been in this room since the beginning, four years ago. And some of you, this is your first Sunday, and you're like, whoa, what's happening here? But what I want to remind you guys of, because it's true for my life, is four years ago was a long time ago. But I'm in this room right now. You're in this room right now. We're each here right now. And that means that despite anything that you've faced over the past four years, you're here. The Lord has sustained you. The Lord has sustained your family. The Lord has sustained your heart. Despite everything you've gone through, you're here right now. And that's a gift, not only to you, but to everybody around you. So share that with other people. And remember that the Lord will sustain you. That is a promise that he gives us, the children of God. So, Lord, we just, um, Lord, I thank you. This is a prayer of gratitude for New Life East. Thank you for everything that you've done here over the past four years. Thank you for all of the relationships that have been built, all of the friendships. Lord, thank you for the family that know, I know that I have found here. Thank you for the family that everybody has found here. Lord, thank you for the prairie parties, and thank you for the Easter egg hunts, and thank you for the Sundays that are so consistent. And thank you for the table groups and rooted, Lord. We are so thankful that you've been present and near to us every step of the way. And Lord, I trust that you will continue to do that with us here at New Life East in this new season that, that we're walking into at RMCA with Katie Hoover as director of kids. Lord, all of the great things that are happening still, we um, can be confident and assured that you are with us because that's the promise you've given us. You are near. We don't have to wrestle you to the ground to convince you to be around us. You desire to be with your children. So thank you for that, Lord. So New Life East, if you would, receive this gift of words. Just as the Lord has, he will continue to keep you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace every single day of your life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shailene Smith, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for her one more time. It's good to be the family of God who's got it better than us.
Hey, a couple things for you. If you need prayer this morning, I'll call our prayer team forward. We'd love to pray with you. We need your help tearing down chairs. And so just take the chair that you were sitting on and line up over at the door there. We've got racks out there. We're going to rack all those chairs and take them uh, where they need to be taken. And then uh, we have a reception for Shailene Smith. Uh, our fellowship hour is doubling as a reception for her. So there's a little thing for you to sign out there and write her a note about what she's meant to you over the years. So go ahead and uh, do that before you leave today. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And we'll see you at Rocky Mountain Classical Academy next weekend.